0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, so retweet, you think you're untouchable? Word life, this is basic dogonomics. this is
1: basic (laughs) dogonomics. word life, I'm untouchable
0: but I'm forcing you to feel me, (laughs) word life, this is basic, basic.
2: Welcome to this week's feature show on Eat, Sleep, Suplex, retweet. My name's Chris Murray. And today we are here to talk about wrestling's best United States champions. The US title is a very prestigious belt, arguably more prestigious than its counterpart, the Intercontinental title or the NWA's national championship. So for tonight's show, I won't insult any of my panelists because I have picked out some of the most prestigious members of the ESSR group to discuss this with me. Well, I mean, prestigious may be the wrong word. They're definitely the best mid-carders that I could find. I am joined by David, Scott and Callum. Welcome, all gentlemen. Uh, David, I'm going to start with you. Yo. Is there any room in the universe of ESSR for a mid-card title? We already have the ESSR championship. Is this kind of what? Spare change in the tennis? I don't know. I can't
0: keep up with this. Well, Spare Change but the kind of like our money in the bank contract, as it were. And I think given the size of the podcast, I think it's only enough to sort of equate that to the WWECW roster <laughs> uh, in the mid-2000s, which was about 15 people at most. Uh, so I'm not sure if there is room for a mid-card title in this podcast, but we did used to have the ESSR 365 title, and we also have a couple of members going around claiming to be the ESSR Women's Champions, such as Sarah Grieve, Stacey Smith, and for some reason, David the Goat Campbell.
2: It's like how can we have a women's belt. We only have two women. That's one match. <laughs> anyway, thanks for joining us, David. Callum, welcome to the crew, man. Uh, is Hello. This, this the first time I met you? Is this your
1: first show on the brand? That yes. It is my humble debut, as you will, for yes. ESSR. There's many, many men who
2: have won the US title in their debut match. And am I the man to tell you who's done that? No, because it's not a part of the show that I prepared. So I thought <laughs> I'd just start with a quick fire question. And We we're, were just talking before we started um, about some of the sort of history of the US title. It's obviously been like retired. And reactivate a few times. And it got me thinking about like other WWE yeah. titles. Is there any WWE titles that they have retired that you would like them to bring back? And which one would you choose? It could be, uh, you know, a particular division you really liked, it could be a particular uh, championship you really liked. What one would you choose?
1: Well, that's a, a very open ended question. <laughs> uh, however, having uh, looked back to all. I'm a belt mark I love belts they're great so I was jotting down some ideas and I thought well since belt mark obviously uh, the winged eagle was the best it shows that you're a champion you are the guy and not a big blue thing so (laughs) you know winged eagle all the way or if it couldn't be that uh, the big gold Uh, I'm a wrestling fan so uh, big NWE guy me so Bring back the big gold all day, every day. Me and Scott are absolutely
2: licking our lips at this. We're always (laughs) the ones that are banging on about some old WCW nonsense while everyone else is trying to talk about like last week's SmackDown or something like that. But yes, Scott McLeod is here as well. Welcome, Scott. Uh, Thanks so much for joining us. I have a question for you as well, sir. So, the US title, I noticed just before we came on as well, it's had really quite a lot of different variations. Even just in the WWE era of the belt, there's been lots of different designs what is your favourite one? And please don't say the current one.
3: <laughs> no, it's not the current one. I, I, for me, I think it's probably going to be the one that the current one replaced. You know, the one that we most honestly recognise with the WWE US Championship, probably because it was the first version of the US Title I saw. But also, I think it, the design of it does what it needs to. It's just a massive, like an American flag, just stretched over the title belt. It's big. You know, it, it basically suns up America. It's just. America. Big <laughs> flag on your face. You know, it does what it needs to.
2: Perfect choice. Uh, completely agree. I remember I was I mean, I was very young when this happened, when somebody told me that the they had a new US belt on WWE. And I was like, is it the same as the old one? It's got an American flag on it. And they were like, Yeah. But the one that I was picturing is you know the WCW one that you see before you—it's got like a tiny, tiny little American flag with four <laughs> stars. Whereas the 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 one that has was previously retired to be replaced with the current one was like the United States t- title on ecstasy. The flag was just the belt, um, and also I, I would be remiss if we didn't mention it—the the John Cena version of the belt. Uh, any of us fans? Any, no, I'm
0: getting groans. No, it, it looks Absolutely cool. Absolutely not. <laughs> it looked it looked cool if you were about maybe a, a young kid, you know, because it was spinny and every, everybody was about, you know, uh, DJing and rap and turntables, etc. And it suited his character, but on anybody else, it just did not work. And I'm glad JBL blew it up in that bin uh, when Orlando Jordan won it. I was just thinking there, I was like, so what was that? 2003,
2: Five. Two, 2005. So, yeah. yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't young. Like, uh, I was, like not yeah. young enough
0: to but yeah seem to appreciate it nonetheless Although, Chris I do notice you have way that picture you showed of the WCW US title and I said this just before we went on air that it actually looks like the current US title and the white strap intercontinental title had a baby and that was the result like yeah. it's uh, I mean it's quite cool to look at but again it was much more retro back then and you know there was only so sort of very limited designs for championships back then but it looks cool nonetheless yeah, one of the things that I'm
2: happy that WWE has quite successfully got away from is I don't like belts that are really square. Like there's a lot of really square looking belts and uh, the old WCW United States Championship I think was quite square. Try to think of other examples. Like the AEW World Championship, I think it's a quite square looking belt and uh, I don't I don't love that design massively, but that reminds mm-hmm. me, we do have to start the show with another little disclaimer, guys. I'm sitting with a tab in front of me just now, which is AEW All Out 2021 buy-in. I'm trying to watch it. I've not finished it yet. I've stopped to talk to you guys. So can we have an AEW All Out spoiler-free podcast this evening? Consider it done.
3: I mean, I'm only on I'm only on the third match of the main card, so I couldn't really spoil that much for you.
1: <laughs> I've watched it all. I'm very sleep deprived, but no spoilers coming from my end. Ah, appreciated. Okay, so
2: let's dive into it. In the first 25 years of the US Championship, a whole host of world champions and Hall of Famers all managed to hold on to it. I'm talking about the likes of Rick Flair, Lex Luger, Ricky Steamboat, stunning Steve Austin, Bret Hart, DDP. The championship actually began. All the way back on January 1st, 1975, good God, under the NWA banner, Jim Crockett promotions at the time, Harley Race was the first and he was the inaugural champion and defeated Johnny Weaver in a tournament final to become the inaugural NWA United States Heavyweight Champion and Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling. Never heard of Johnny Weaver since, but I've heard of Harley Race a few times. Um, From 1975, it traveled through JCP to WCW, then WWE, where it's still active to this day. And that's where we come in. We are going to discuss the best United States champions of the WWE era. Now, we're not being ignorant of the legends that came before it. I just kind of thought, I was like, I don't think we would do either side of the fence justice. Like, we should do a show on that, you know, NWA, WCW era of this belt, and we should do what we're doing now. And that's a period on the WWE era. So the list of options that you guys have to pick as your best US champion begins from the champion from March 18, 2001, Booker T. He won the belt at WCW Greed and took it with him to the WWF during the invasion. So he was the first champion of the United States. In the WWE era, he was the 91st champion in the history of the belt. So we're ignoring the first 90. <laughs> Give us hate <laughs> online for doing so. Um, you can then choose any champion all the way to Damian Priest, who took the belt from Sheamus at this year's SummerSlam on August 21st, 2021, which gives us almost 20 years to the day since it debuted on WWF television. So we got a fair whack of champions to pick from. Everyone, is going to pick two. We're going to get some thoughts from the listeners and ESSRs fellow members as well. And we'll all go and I'll throw out two as well, just because, you know, eight's a nice round number. So um, I'm going to attempt to do this chronologically, but one of Scott's choices breaks it by having one rain right at the start of the list and one rain right near the end of the list. So I've made a terrible order and we're going to start with David. David, you have a certain... Uh, Latin American wrestler <laughs> as, one <of> you,
0: <laughs> as one of your picks oh, yeah. uh, who won the belt back in 2003. Tell us who hey, you Hey, this isn't just any Latin American wrestler. This is arguably one of Mexico's greatest exports. Not Alberto Del Rio, someone way, way better than that. It is the late, great Eddie Guerrero. Uh, who won the championship after it was reactivated in 2003? When after Edge defeated Test in the unification match uh, that year's the Invasion Angle Survivor Series, so it was inactive for the best part of two years. And the SmackDown, you know, this was you know peak SmackDown following the period of the SmackDown Six, and they were starting to develop you know a much more stacked singles division, and. Eddie Guerrero ended up winning the championship by defeating seven other guys in a tournament. So his bracket, he defeated Ultimo Dragon, Billy Gunn, sorry, Ross, and in the final defeating Chris Benoit in an outstanding 20-minute match at 2003's Vengeance pay-per-view. So now it was a little bit of a... A little bit of a mixed reception at the time because Eddie was still playing a sort of heel character off the back of Los Guerreros. Uh, but what really... I found was really interesting about his reign here was that this was his natural progression from a heel character to a babyface because the fans just loved what he did in the ring you know whether it was his lie, cheat and steal whether it was his overly charismatic personality or it was just everything off the back of the Smackdown 6 which is I think what really captivated the audience to watch Smackdown uh, etc. And he had a couple of outstanding matches through this series as well he faced John Cena in the parking lot brawl uh, he ended up winning the tag titles with Chavo whilst he was holding the US title. So he was a double champion for a fair bit. But his, uh, I think the feud that stood out for me the most was the uh, his feud with the Big Show, which, you know, unfortunately it didn't end well for him because Big Show was the one to dethrone him. But there were some pretty hilarious skits, even though they were a little bit childish, like dumping the, as Michael Cole referred to it, as human sewage uh, all over him, which is uh, still one of the most memorable SmackDown segments that I can, that I can recall. But um, what really I liked about this is that this was a natural progression of when Eddie became not just a, a sort of tag team wrestler, but someone that, you know, the fans started to become more and more accustomed to. They wanted to see him succeed over and over. And this is what spurred his natural babyface turn. And he became just such a a beloved character for um, right up until the point of his death, actually, which was only a couple of years later. But yeah, that's why I think Eddie goes down as one of the best US champions in WWE.
2: Great show. Uh, David, I'm so happy you picked this. Um, Reason number one, I think I've been on like 20... Save 20 ESSR podcasts at this point. On 19 of them, I've probably gone on about how much I love Eddie Guerrero. The second reason why this is amazing, right? I have watched SmackDown live twice in my life, right? Mm-hmm. The second time was the SmackDown that aired immediately before CM Punk returned. At AEW Rampage, because turns out, like, you can just watch that for two hours and that kills the time waiting for AEW to start at 3 a.m. in the morning. Thanks (laughs) a lot, America. Um, But the first time was when I went on holiday to America, went to Florida with my parents in 2003. And at the time, I watched SmackDown, and Eddie Guerrero was the U.S. champion at the time. He was doing his whole Big Show shenanigans, and I vividly remember watching SmackDown at like seven p.m. at night, like a normal person. And uh, it was the skip where he like tripped up Big Show with the like some sort
0: of wire, and then that yeah. the the sewage thing. Yeah, he tripped him up with the the hose from the tanker, and then he squished him with the the shite, basically. <laughs> <laughs> um
2: yeah so uh, i love this choice he was champion twice um and uh, callum this is where i'm going to bring you in because eddie guerrero nicely sort of split the divide by winning the belt in wcw and uh the, the the land that we love uh, and also won it in 2003 by the time it was back in wwe so yeah do do you remember this run that eddie had
1: with the belt and were you a fan of him well, I am uh, a fairly young individual, so <laughs> I was during his run uh, two years old. So, <laughs> uh, going back though and seeing his run with the big show, uh, I think you forgot to mention as well uh, the burrito angle as well. Yeah, uh, yes, I remember that quite vividly. Uh, poor, poor big show, <laughs> uh, Paul Light in the head. He's uh, poor asshole as well. That burrito was spicy. Uh, going back though, I feel like Guerrero was very well deserved to win the United States Championship because I mean, I, I don't have to hype up Eddie Guerrero. It's Eddie Guerrero. So <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, Scott, I will always
2: remember that I was on a show with you and you were the first person that told me that Eddie Guerrero didn't like being world champion. When he beat Brock, he felt like he wasn't, you know, big enough to be champion, but he was definitely big enough to be United States champion. I thought he carried this title very well. Um, What did you think of his run? And in- why do you think he didn't get more runs? Because he still, you know, he still with the company for another couple of years after this.
3: Yeah, it was weird with Eric. It's not that he didn't like being uh, WWE, but it just said that he was doing as good as he could have as the uh, the leader of the brand or carrying SmackDown. So and also that weighed heavily on him. But yeah, it's weird how this match. His run isn't really known for its matches. The US title, you know, he had a four way. Uh, SummerSlam, which I think included Rhino, T. J. and I think Benoit which is a match it should be talked about more than it, it was, but I think the main thing about it is that it was his progression from face to heel to face, as David said, so I think that's the most important thing about it. Uh, I don't know, because he seems like a guy who, he's held all the main mid-card belts you could hold, because you know, he was European champion in the 2000s, he was briefly Intercontinental champion in early 2002, and he was, he had this use, I mean, so he is a reliable, you know, mid-card player. So I don't know why he didn't have more mid-card range. No, I think for a while he did kind of get stuck in a bit of a tag team thing with like the Vray and Javo, which he was also good at. So I think that we just kept moving him around from mid-card to main event to tag team because he was just good in wherever you placed him.
2: Yeah, that I mean, that sums him up perfectly, doesn't it? I mean, I, I just had a look, he has done it all in WWE wasn't really allowed to be a cruiserweight but he won the cruiserweight belt twice in WCW won the U.S. title there Well, it was called the U.S. heavyweight championship which I like because that means he's swaying the divisions at that point point. and then by the time he got to WWE he ended up winning just about every belt they had to offer becoming the 11th triple crown champion and sixth grand slam champion as well so I mean How much more airtime can we find to dedicate to how great Eddie Guerrero is on this podcast? Um, Well, Eddie Guerrero
0: was our first ever show, so go back and
2: listen to it on our back catalogue. David, I was also looking at the anchor numbers recently. It's also our most popular show ever as well. So um, that's nothing to do with the fact that it was the first one and the hype was big around then. Uh, It's because he's just a great man. Okay, what a great place to start, Um, Eddie Guerrero. uh, I just loved seeing him with that belt. and uh, Yeah. Just the shenanigans that came with Eddie Guerrero as well. We'll now move on to Callum. Now, you're the second of the picks that you went for, a man who has three letters of his initials. Um, went on quite a decent run with the
1: belt in 2007. Who have you chosen? I have chosen uh, a man who came out uh, with a smoke machine and a very big tent. Uh, MVP, I would try to say his proper name, but i butcher the spell, so I'm not gonna. Um, I loved MVP's run as a, a youngster growing up watching MVP his feud with Matt Hardy over the United States Championship was chef's kisses it was perfect although the, the hot dog contest going back and looking at that maybe maybe not that but the rest of his matches were great I mean the classics they had with Shelton Benjamin just, I just think it was great like, and I feel like that design of the United States belt suited MVP because it fed into the whole character of, oh, I am the best. Look at my fancy jewelry and my big tunnel and my belt. So, yeah, this is a really good choice because, like,
2: I never really thought about this until very recently, but MVP is such a solid wrestler. He had this, um, how many days was it again? 340 day reign with the belt. Mm. I think that's good for like. Third or fourth longest ever in the history of the yeah. belt, including all of the WCW guys, which I think yeah. is highly highly respected.
1: I believe but it's second, the second longest.
2: Yeah. Second longest.
1: Sorry, getting confused yeah. with uh with
2: Lex uh,
3: Luger's,
1: Dina. I think Lex Luger's is overall because I know it's the lineage is the same. Yep.
2: So I
0: think it's I think it's Luger's. MVPs and then Ambrose, I think that's it. I'm getting confused with Ambrose. Um, I was, oh no, no, Ambrose was longer, he was 351 days.
3: Oh, oh right, yeah, it's MVP Ambrose, then Luger, Luger held it for like 500 days at one point.
0: Uh, but was uh, that over five reigns or was that one just the one? No, no it's still okay, long. oh yeah, Matt, so it was, yeah, 1989. Matt,
2: good, good on them all, but yes, um, particularly good on MVP because, like, I think it wouldn't be remiss of me to say that like MVP's character when it first came in, he was a bit of a joke. Like that was sort of his shtick. And then he managed to, you know, with all of the shenanigans that went on with Matt Hardy, hold this belt for basically a year. And I was looking up some of MVP's other achievements as well. He was the first ever, um, Scott, I'm going to get it wrong, but I'm going to try not to. Was he not the first ever IWGP Intercontinental Champion
3: as well? He was, yeah, in yep. 2011.
2: So he's like, a solid choice as your mid-card guy. And, um, yeah, if you take away all the pomp with the the entrance and stuff that Callum mentioned, he has a really good wrestler. Uh, Scott, hopefully you liked him.
3: Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember MVP's introduction. I remember uh, his, like, Inferno match with Kane. <laughs> I remember yes. that one. But, like, he had a, a decent feud with with Benoit. It was, one of ben, it was Benoit's last actual, like, program before his passing. You know, they had the match at Mania that Benoit won. They want re- to rematch it. Backlash, and then MP finally won the belt in a two out of three falls match. I think he won two straight falls as well over Benoit, which is kind of mm-hmm. strong. And it was weird to have the heel constantly losing and then getting the big win over the face. Usually it's the other way around with the face chasing it, but, you know, Benoit was used to help get him over and you look at his reign. He, he had a match on pay-per-view against Ric Flair, who's had a history with the with the WCW version of the US title. Uh, the thing with Matt Hardy, I think he did have an injury uh, that got Dalton from wrestling so he and Matt were doing all these contests or they won the tie titles together where Matt would do all the work but he would take all the credit for it which I think then added to their story because then Matt got injured and they had MVP and KF take him out and then Matt's the one who comes back and gets revenge by ending this mammoth reign of his so and then we actually look at it even though there's a period where he doesn't wrestle when you look at the story with him and Matt Hardy they actually told a decent story throughout his reign and the only downside is you, you kind of forget his second reign actually happened.
2: Yeah, because of course he would go on and beat Shelton Benjamin for the belt as well. And this mm-hmm. is around the time where the belt was bouncing about all different brands and it was very confusing. Did he win it on
0: ECW and take it to Raw or something like that? He won it on SmackDown against Shelton Benjamin. Then he was like drafted first in the 2009 draft and then he lost oh, it to Rock. Kofi. Yeah,
3: because like, Shelton won it from Matt Hood's who was going between ECW and Raw because Matt got drafted no, ECW, it was Matt
0: that took it to ECW.
3: And then Sheldon brought it back to SmackDown, lost to the MVP, but then took it to Raw.
0: Brilliant. Brilliant.
3: At all.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Um of course D- David as well, like they I think Scott mentioned it a bit there, but our our Callum did even um during that run. MVP and Matt Hardy were also tag champions.
0: That's right, yeah. Yeah, I think he was the first since Eddie, actually, to be double US tag team champion, which is a very, because they were a very odd pairing to MVP Matt Hardy, because they were sort of frenemies at the time. He didn't know if they were actually feuding over the the US title or, you know, working as tag team champions. But oddly enough, they were the ones to defeat Deuce and Domino, who ended Paul London and Brian Kendrick's mammoth reign, which I've always thought was a bit odd because you thought Deuce and Domino had the potential to be SmackDown's top top tag team, but then they just then Vince was just like, "Nah." But um, I can't remember if they—I don't recall if they held the tag titles during the Taboo Tuesday feud they were supposed to have. You know where I think they were going against each other in various challenges, and that's what made the storyline interesting. They weren't having traditional matches; they were trying to one up each other in like uh, beer drinking, basketball contests, pizza eating contests, which sounds amazing just by saying that out loud. Um, but yeah, I think they were supposed to have a match at the 2006 Cyber Su- or 2007 Cyber Sunday, uh, but Matt got injured. They like had a big gash in his head, and he couldn't compete. And then he ended up having a having to take a A cheap count out victory over or count out loss over Kane but um you know after that you know his reign sort of got a bit quiet right up until you know Matt Hardy returned and then cost him the well cost him the title or cost him money in the bank rather uh before going back to sort of being enemies again you've kind of touched
2: on something that's going to come up a lot in this and that there is a lot of guys that have held this belt for a long time but They've also held the belt for a long time whilst not doing a lot in that time. I think Dean Ambrose is the obvious example of that. Yep. Prime held, suspect held, held the belt for a year, but I think he defended it about once. I can't remember the exact number, but it's, it's not very many. And then he lost it in a battle Royal to somebody we're going to talk about later. Anyway, <laughs> great choice of MVP. Um, right. Where are we going chronologically next? We're flying through some of our champions. Um, we're going to go to Scott next. And Scott, would you be so kind as to tell me about your winner of the US title who won it once and not twice, two decades, sorry, a decade apart?
3: Yeah, it won a decade apart. I think he had like multiple. Things. I think in the WWE version, he's got like the most reigns with his. Yeah. Uh, but he's the person I immediately thought of when he thought about WWE US champions. And my pick is John Cena, who. I think really was one of the first examples of the U.S. tail being used to elevate somebody because, you know, the U.S. tail, the main issue with it compared to the IC belt, you though they've both been poorly handled by the company throughout the years is unlike the Aircon and L.T.L. used to have a purpose and it was a workhorse belt would elevate people, would get them ready for the, the world title. U.S. tail was never, rarely ever used for that. It didn't have the same purpose, but for a while it did. And, you know, and like Cicina, Cena got the, his first WrestleMania match against the Big Show, wins it in 2004, back when the New York crowd really liked Cena. And then he would kind of be the main mid-card, big baby face on, so I didn't get it under. I think he was the main face under likes sort of Taker and Eddie. You know, he was offending uh, and weird people against, like, the Rene Dupree, because boo France, apparently. <laughs> and like that, he would get stripped of it because he accidentally hit Kurt Angle, who was the GM, and Kurt Angle didn't like John Cena. So Booker T wins it, and then he has a best of five with, Booker, which is a very entertaining series, wins it back, loses it to Carly Hills, the whole Jesus stabbed him. Oh, uh, <laughs> stabbed him and wins it back, then the whole I'll say the spinner thing, we don't, I'm not going to defend the spinner <laughs> thing, but you know, it, it's, it him at the time, uh, we didn't think he'd do the same for the bloody WWE title. But anyway, he lost it in a feud while he was number one contender for the WWE title and then went on to win that. So it got him to where he needed to be. And then he once he was a main eventer for over a decade. He came back to the U.S. title to help elevate a belt that had lost a lot of prestige, and people were annoyed about him being Rusev. But he then brought out the U.S. Open Challenge. Had great matches with everybody from Zack Ryder to Luke Harper, Stardust, Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens. You know, losing to Kevin Owens at Elimination Chamber, having the match with Seth Rollins for both belts, and then you know the only downside is that his last three ended with a bit of a whimper, where he went it back from Seth at uh, United of Champions and then lost it to Alberto Del Rio and then just started his thing where he buggers off every so often to go film movies. But I think it's an example of how the belt can is to elevate somebody and then the person years later elevates the belt and then even though he beats these people in the open challenge, he elevates them by giving them a 15, 20-minute match on TV and makes them look better than they would have been otherwise.
2: I think um, you, you touched on something uh, really important there and that's that We went through this period in wrestling where it was almost like, oh, well, the the world title is too prestigious to be defended on TV, but the mid-card champion, well, they all defend every week. I remember AJ Styles specifically in TNA being like, oh, I'm the TV champion. I'll defend this belt every week. Come at me. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, this is the one time we're actually not going to bang on about how great AJ Styles is. Um, But yeah, so it's... David, there's almost like two eras of John Cena, U.S. champion. There's all the first ones with the car the Carlito matches and all that stuff, um, taking the belt off Big Show as well, which I really liked as well. It's like his first um, WrestleMania match, wasn't it? And then uh, the run yep. that you went on it, leading to beating JBL down the line as well. Uh, let's sort of talk about them separately. What did you think of the the first era, and then of course, what did you think about the one that came ten years later?
0: See, it's funny you should say that because this was around the time that I actually started watching SmackDown on a weekly basis. Um, And it was approximately the same time where John Cena actually uh, was, was, was stripped of the title from Kurt Angle because he attacked him unintentionally. And then him and Booker T had that best of five series, which I thought was quite... It was actually quite captivating as well because at least it put me it allowed me to see Cena in a sort of challenger role. And I remember he was getting a lot of popularity at the time. Like he was arguably the most popular guy on the roster outside of like, you know, the usual Eddie Guerrero, Kurt Angle, and stuff. And it made me, you know, become a fan of John Cena during this time. You know, that's when he legitimately had the, you know, never say die, never give up attitude, especially when he was 2-1 down and he ended up winning the series two uh, 3-2 three at No Mercy, only to find out he loses it four days later to Carlito because, well, in hindsight, it was so he could go off and film the Marines. So, I mean, needs must and then it introduced a new star as a result. And Chris, it also brings up, you know, one of these first names you said who won the US title on their debut match carlito was one of them yes of course he was i knew there was yep. one that i remembered Aye. but then i think cena's third reign, you know where the one that orlando jordan ended that was a sort of his graduation up to the wwe title scene uh so he again, he was he became smackdown's fastest rising star who then slowly progressed his way to the the main event scene but in the sort of more recent time with the open challenges etc he was sort of revisiting his old role uh, so that you know he could now use his main event veteran status to put over you know new rising stars. So it's sort of revisiting his past, and he's sort of taking the mantle of the established veteran, like he did with uh, with Booker T back in two thousand and four when the roles were reversed. And Scott listed off the talents there. You know he had Cesaro, Kevin Owens, Pack, Stardust, Cody Rhodes, that kind of thing. They, all these guys were very capable uh, potential U.S. champions. Some of them did go on to win it eventually, and. That is what I think was the most exciting aspect about this um, this title because it it exemplified what it stood for, the United States being, of course, the land of opportunity, just step up and take your shot, and that's exactly what John Cena did with it, and it made it such an entertaining walk because we got a lot of great matches out of it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Callum, being the new person of the group, you get a a, a big a big moment now to decide which part of history you want to be on. Do you want <laughs> to be on the side of the guys who love John Cena, me, or do you get to be on the side of history of the guys who hate John Cena, every other person who's
3: involved with this podcast? <laughs> I don't hate Cena. <laughs> nah, well.
2: Nobody nobody hates him, but um, I'm the only one with a John Cena t-shirt. <laughs> I, I see. Uh, Mark.
1: <laughs> so, I, um, I don't know. I have grown up in various stages of liking John Cena and disliking John Cena, my um, is US run hundred percent down for it all day every day. The spinner belt, on the other hand, uh, I will hold uh, my hand up high and say that the only red leather belt I own is the spinner belt, uh, because that is my favorite belt of all time. Because I know, I know. Hey, don't kick me off the podcast. It's literally <laughs> my first one. Because I grew with that belt, they made me fall in love with wrestling. So I've got a soft spot for it. I do I do recognize we'll think it's ranked. Trust me, I look at it sometimes at the corner room and it's like, oh. So, but seeing as Reign is US champion all the way, spinner US belt, get it in the bin. <laughs> <laughs> what, right. So, now I agree
2: spinner US belt is average, but, right, if I was going to start an argument, I'd definitely say that of all the spinning related belts, I think Edge's world
0: title is by far the worst. Hi, it, was, it wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't that creative. It was essentially the same championship but with the rated R symbol replacing the WWE logo.
1: Yeah, it was basically, a uh, Kira, did you see that original cool design you had like the almost old
0: school IC title belt? Yeah, we're not doing that. Here's a fucking sticker. <laughs> but uh, on you go, son. <laughs> there you go. You know, he was meant to have a, a rated R championship that was a similar design to the WCW US championship but it was meant to be like a WWE World Heavyweight title design but apparently that got scrapped and replaced with this dud version. The concept no. pictures of that are great. I've seen it. It's properly like, it's all, oh, it's Shears Kiss.
2: <laughs> what I liked about having Cena as US champion as well is that like, a, a, what Cena got stick for was he always won. And if Cena always wins, he was never out of the world title picture for about 10 years. This was a good way to get him to have matches down the card. Like it's it's sort of the same as when I think Roman Reigns won this belt at some point or was it the IC title or something like that? He um, both. I mean, yeah, well, yeah, it was just a good way to get him to get lost for a wee bit, and and I think fans appreciated that, like not having him at, at the top of the picture. It's the exact same thirty years ago when Ric uh, Flair started winning the U.S. title to take him out of the world title scene as well. It's just it's just a way to sort of you know they as a wrestler can add a strength to their bowl, but then it's a, it's a good way to get other guys in
0: the main event scene. Uh, um, see for see for Rusev uh, or sorry Roman Reigns defeating Rusev for the championship. I think. There was a bit of a rivalry going on there. So I suppose it makes sense, you know, that he was pursuing the US title at that point. But in hindsight, I'm wondering, maybe backstage thought was maybe try and get the US title and the Intercontinental title on Roman Reigns so that they can uh, say he's a Grand Slam champion. But maybe there's just the cynic in me coming out for that one. Totally. Because we only held them once each. (laughs) Yeah, we we
2: won't talk much about Roman as mid champion, but we may revisit a certain uh, Bulgarian later on in the <laughs> show. Um, okay, so that's the first three. Um, I would like to throw out one as well. Right, I was looking down the list and I was trying to think of ones that I thought particularly stood out, and I think you'll agree there hasn't been many, at least in the WWE era, that have massively, massively stood out. In recent years, I think it, it's a belt that's definitely been hosting slightly at least since john cena's brilliant reign in 2015 but one reign which i particularly liked um even though it wasn't particularly long was chris jericho in 2017 so i'd like to throw him out he won the belt from roman um who of course took it from Ruth and turn and i remember just loving how funny this was because obviously this was around the time where uh, Roman Reigns was just being pushed to the moon. Everyone was a bit sick of him. And then he loses his US title to Chris Jericho in a two-on-one handicap match with Kevin Owens as uh, Roman Reigns is feuding with Kevin Owens. It was just wonderful booking. You got to see Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho parading about with two belts for a little period. And then, of course, these. this was the belt that was on the line. You guys correct me if any of this is wrong. This is the belt that was on the, the line after the breakup. Of jericho and owens with owens winning it from jericho at the following years mania 33 i do believe before mm-hmm. jericho wins it back and then gave it back to kevin owens a little bit later and um, it was just good again like jericho is one of the best mid card champions he's obviously a brilliant world champion but he's one of the best mid card champions he did it all the way through his time in wcw and he did it repeatedly with the ic belt and the us belt over in WWE so yes it wasn't that long it was January to April and um, it was you know it's around the time when it's mania season so it's difficult to get eyes on you and I think I, uh, I actually watched Chris Jericho on the um, Steve Austin podcast what's the full name for it I can't remember but uh, Stone Cold Sessions I, yeah so I finally watched that about two three weeks ago and there was chat that at the time Jericho and Owens were going to headline Mania, according to Chris Jericho. Of course, he'd say that. Um, and he actually said that part of the reason he left WWE was because he was put on second at WrestleMania 33, felt like WWE were looking at him as a bit of an afterthought and wanted to leave the company to go and, you know, sort of get himself back up the card again, which is what he did in New Japan and then AEW. So you could say that Chris Jericho being US champion is the reason he is the star he is today. Um, no, but I love the man. And I understand I've put you guys in a very difficult position because some of you may have seen it all out and some of you won't, but we're just going <laughs> to st- clear past that regardless of what the outcome of that match was. And I'll just ask you all, what did you think of Chris Jericho as US champion? I'll start with Scott.
3: Yeah, I didn't really mind it. I like I the fact that he got to have this range as time because I don't think he got much chance to really challenge for it in WCW, which I think is mad, because I think the furthest he got outside the cruise route division was the television title, so it was kind of a shame he didn't get that, and then the fact that he and Owens were holding the top two singles, which was good for their, their run, it was a really funny dot com, exclusive of them back celebrating, and Owens says to him, hey, let's clink our belts here, it's what all the cool kids are doing and then, that being the belt it's funny that he said that was the reason he kind of left, because his first proper feud out of uh, WB was challenging Kenny Omega for the IWGB US champion so for a good year Jericho was all about being a US champion
2: yeah and uh he was he was really really good at it he worked so well with Kevin Owens and he worked well with Jericho as well I didn't realize this as well but um as well as trading that belt Kevin Owens and Jericho traded the IC belt in 2015 I'm not sure yep. if that's because they were good at working with each other or if it's because at the time WWE didn't know what to do with those belts Oh wait uh,
0: no, Chris Jericho never held the, the Intercontinental title in 2015. They did face off for it. It was
3: at a MSG house show because it was... Chris right. Jericho's yeah, sorry. Yeah, that's, a,
2: that's what I mean. They, fought well, they feuded
0: it. over it, yeah. yeah. Um, David, what did you make of uh, Jericho at this time? I liked it. You know, Team Kevin and Chris, you know, was a massive uh, drawing point for Raw. Like, we saw them in... I think some of us in the podcast saw them in Raw Glasgow, and they were the two most entertaining guys on the roster, maybe second only to Enzo and Cass at the time. So it was, um, yeah, those two guys were just comedy gold wherever they went. And Jericho winning the title from Reigns, I think it was a a very pleasing moment for the crowd uh, because nobody liked Roman at this point. And having those two with both sort of men's singles championships, it established them as the top guys, but it just sort of went downhill, you know, on the build to WrestleMania because... I think there could have been potential, you know, maybe do title for title at WrestleMania 33, you know, maybe have one of them become a double champion. I think it would have elevated Kevin Owens' stock as well if he was the one to walk away with both titles. And then they could do the whole payback, smackdown, you know, trading of the titles in the coming, in the coming weeks. Uh, but to sort of shoehorn them in the worst possible position for WrestleMania, which is always the second match, uh, like after that, unexpectedly brilliant AJ Shane match it was a really it was just a really big stomp on everything they had accomplished in the months prior because they were so entertaining so charismatic and it could have been so much more had it not been you know Vince McMahon liking uh big the big sweaty Brock Lesnar and Goldberg and wanting them in the universal title picture instead and you know, like you said, it was a catalyst for Jericho leaving and it was it's just a shame, really, because it could have been so much more.
2: Yeah, um, I, it makes you wonder what they could have done. Um, I think that with the way that wrestling is now and how much wrestling fans love indie darlings getting their moment, I think if you'd have had Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho headline Mania, that wrestling fans would have absolutely lapped it up. I also think as well that you can almost headline WrestleMania with anything these days. And wrestling fans will still lap up. They don't care about pay-per-view numbers anymore. It's all about the network. So, yeah, book, whatever. Anyway, Callum, were you a fan of Chris Jericho around this time? His his
1: late, 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 to the very end WWE period? Yes. I. Speaking of uh, Raw Glasgow, I was there, and I loved every minute of Chris Jericho uh, in front of my eyes. Uh, Chris Jericho is one of my favourite wrestlers, period, besides Shawn Michaels. Uh, That's why their feud was my favourite feud ever. So but yes, that run is US champion. I thought I thought to myself, Jericho's never won the US title, isn't that But we'd always wait, he's won it. So there we go. <laughs> on all the belts, on yourself, Jericho son. Your bad might be awful, but you're a fantastic wrestler. So <laughs> Yeah, absolutely love the man. Um okay, so that is our first
2: lap around the circuit we've all thrown out um one wrestler each who we think was a great us champion but it's not just about us it's about you the listeners and all sorts of other folks as well and the essr extended family david i asked you to be so kind as to go into the essr group and find people's thoughts on this so that i didn't have to go into it myself
0: and get AEW spoilers thank you for that Um yep. who did people say uh, well, a lot of it seems to be occurring. What we've already discussed. Uh, we have Kieran Hunter, who said Cena had a few good runs with the title. Uh, he then went also to say uh, he quite liked the Benoit Booker T best of seven series, which was uh, which was a lot of fun. You know, we discussed Cena Booker's best of five, but the best of seven again was uh, almost a forgotten series. But it was a good uh, a good mid card feud for SmackDown at the time. Ross McLeod says Cena in the Open Challenge era. He also goes on to say Lashley's run did what it was supposed to do, and that was make him look like a beast uh, and a future world champion. Uh, but one that really his one of his other responses was AJ Styles' run in 2019 was quite cool as he defended it against people from up-and-comers to established talents. And that's another one that was almost forgotten about. You know, it's not mentioned a lot these days. He was definitely a, a strong anchor for rising stars. John Isherwood says Cena's open challenge. I think we're starting to see a trend here. Uh, (laughs) And Eddie holding the championship too. AJ uh, had that great run as mentioned in Rollins too when he held that and the world title. Rollins, Seth Rollins. Now we mentioned this on the Seth Rollins uh, profile show. He is the first and still only person to be a double WWE and United States champion. So I think that's uh, that's worth a, a mention in itself. Ryan DelGliese says probably MVP in the late 2000s, as we discussed earlier. Close second for him would be Rusev. Before things went sour, yep. Shall, more, shall we say more on that later? Hi, <laughs> right. and finally, uh, SDL co-host Jack Graham say, also says Cena's open challenge. So I think the I think the listeners and the other members of the team are pretty much in the majority here and they think they're all a fan of Cena's open challenge concept with the title.
2: David, I knew you and I got my John Cena t-shirt the year was 2013 and mm-hmm. now look at them all. Look at them all trying to get on this ship. Nah, I see. <laughs> I was there before he's on. All... Anyway, yeah, great shows. Some of them um uh yeah, I forgot the the mention of course of Seth Rollins, the double champion of course. Booker T did it, but the WCW title wasn't quite as prestigious as the uh, WWE Championship at the time, of course. So good on him. Good shout for AJ as well. There's just so many good ones. In fact, there is so many good United States champions that we're going to go around again and we're going to pick another four champions that we liked. Um, So uh, let's go back to David. Your first one was good and uh, your second one, man, it would have been
0: a dream match if this guy had ever had a match with Eddie Guerrero. I'm pretty sure he has done at some point, but uh, was this guy a great U.S. champion? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he did it. Yeah. Uh, my second choice for best U.S. champion is Daniel Bryan. Now, he won the championship in 2010 just after being called up to the main roster from NXT. And obviously, he was in the first uh, game show format version of NXT, so he was called up apart of the Nexus. But when it's when he was brought back after SummerSlam, he ended up, you know, picking up his NXT feud with The Miz, who was United States champion and Mr. Money in the Bank at the time. So it was already a very high profile feud to break him out as a a single star. Uh, Now, both these guys actually made that title feel really important with their matches providing that big fight feel at that year's Night of Champions pay-per-view, especially when The Miz was on the cusp of, you know, essentially becoming WWE champion at the time but it also sort of gave a bit of retribution for Brian as well, you know, having to be put up with all the Miz's shite as a, as a pro. <laughs> you know, considering Brian the rookie and Miz as the pro is like, you know, it's the mother of all paradoxes. So, but Brian was very much a, a wrestler's wrestler when he arrived. You know, he it, it wasn't, you know, the, the yes man we know today. That's way before all his gimmick and stuff. He was very much, you know, generic babyface, you know, clean ring gear, generic theme music with Ride of the Valkyries, but what really helped him out, you know, was his his match quality. Like he was second to none, arguably the, the best wrestler at the time. You know, he's having great matches with the likes of William Regal, uh, John Morrison, the Miz again. The submissions count anywhere. Triple Threat, Hell in a Cell, a, still a very underrated match if I do say so. There was Ted DiBiase Jr. that he had a match with, but the one standout match of that feud was the opening match at Bragging Rights that year when he faced Dolph Ziggler in what was an absolute sleeper of a match and arguably one that stole the show as well, given that two, had two you know, pure wrestlers just going at it and two mid-card champions who were in the arguably the prime of their mid-card runs at this point. It made it such great TV and really worth watching. But there was also a bit of storyline behind it too because Brian had, um, well... This is when he started interacting with both Bellas on screen. Uh, can you say Menage a Trois? <laughs> and then the <laughs> um, the uh, then he obviously had the he revealed that he was dating Gail Kim at the time, which was a little bit derailed at one point. But that didn't take away from the fact, you know, he was a a solid worker in the ring. He had excellent matches, and I think he redefined what it meant to be a an up and coming talent, winning the mid card championship and carrying the company forward.
2: Yeah, uh, I love that because I think. There's, there's this thing that sometimes happens with WWE and it's basically that sometimes they will bring in indie talents that are you know huge names outside of WWE, guys like Seth Rollins, guys like Kevin Owens and all that. But when they get them there, they're, they're sometimes a bit apprehensive because they don't know if they're going to be a WWE guy yet. And that was the issue with Daniel Bryan at the, the very start is that he didn't really look like a world champion. He was a phenomenal wrestler but they, he didn't really look like he'd win the world title. I, I hate to sound like the authority by saying that but um, I think that when Debray won that belt they were sort of testing the water of what he was ready for and I think that the fact that he held the belt for such a, well he held the belt for a really long time in terms of this championship, that was them seeing like how he could do with with a belt. I Also wasn't correct me if I'm wrong but wasn't his run with the US title when the yes chant started.
3: No, I've got a less been,
2: vague memory of it.
3: No, I think that would have been when he won the world title. Was
2: it the world title, yeah. Mm-hmm. I knew it was sometime around then. But yeah, either way, absolutely love this choice. Um Scott, tell me more about Daniel Bryan.
3: <laughs> I was gonna say how far do you want me to go on me to Wikipedia? <laughs> Probably Danielson is an American professor.
2: <laughs> I'm got to say I've I've looked up and I don't think Daniel Bryan had a match with Eddie Guerrero. I know that when Eddie Guerrero got briefly fired in 2001, he wrestled in Ring of Honor, but he somehow didn't meet Mr. Bryan Danielson. Um, I'm very sad about
3: that. I I really liked it this time. I was kind of not long back into wrestling around this time, so I do remember this reign quite well. And I think it was kind of like you said, testing the wars, it's showing that they could rely on Bryan as a reliable mid-card champion when he started off before seeing if he would be, you know, because he did win the Money in the Bank the following year. And you know, I remember this, you know, it helped pay off the whole thing that annoyed everybody about Miz being his mentor, where Miz was saying like he's not good enough, he's nothing compared to me. And then Brian puts him by making him tap out and taking his US title from him. And then he think those matches, and then yeah, him and Ziggler, the two underrated, you know, workhorses and the two mid-card champions, you know, stealing the shows as they should have been at the time. But you know, like I said, after like when you start twenty eleven up until he lost the belt. Like I said, he didn't do much other than that Bella storyline, which it's funny to look back on where B Bell and Daniel Brown are both in interviews. That's where their real-life relationship started. And you look back on that storyline, it's even more strong because that storyline was uh, cringe-worthy, to say.
2: (laughs) Pretty much
0: any time. Sorry, David. I was just going to say... can you imagine if it was Nikki he kissed first when he first made out with him? Oh man, <laughs> <laughs> that's some Jerry Springer shit right there.
2: Yeah, brother. Well, <laughs> I, I actually remember just you know as we were talking about him. Um, do you remember when John Cena tagged with his bird against The Miz and his bird, and then when he yeah. won the match, he proposed, and then they broke up less than a year later. Awkward. It's just, sometimes it's like wrestling and coupling just just get away from each other. But enough about that. Let's go back to talking about one of the best wrestlers of all time. Uh, Callum, what did you think of uh,
1: Daniel Bryan in the early 10s? I thought it was great. Uh, yeah, I still think he's great. That run, I remember watching the original NXT uh, with the rumors of NXT changing up now. I really hope it's now back to a game show. But anyway, with his run, I thought like, the story was perfect. How The Miz was saying that, no, hear me, I'm a bit than you. Uh, I'm from Hollywood, and uh yeah, you suck. But to then just tap him out, just like, I think it's one of the nastier like, bell locks I've seen, just like, i take that. And then, obviously, any abuse towards Michael Cole as well. So Daniel Bryan, best wrestler, in my opinion, uh, and also great brothers, US champion. I
2: think that, I don't think, I, I don't know what you guys think. Did we ever really, really get a payoff to Daniel Bryan versus The Miz? Mm, not no, the comeback like, run. No, Which is sorry. infuriating. <laughs> and it's a
0: shame too, because you know, um, we discussed this on the backlash feature show last week. That the there was some very very much a lot of tension between Brian and the Miz, particularly, you know, during that pay-per-view alone.
2: Yep. Yep. Um but I always remember, you know, one of the most famous moments in the Miz's career when he went off on Daniel Bryan. On talking smack and it was the best thing ever because everything he said was absolutely true he was like i am brilliant because i wrestle in a style that means i've never been injured obviously he's now been injured since but he was right he wrestled for wwe like 20 years or something he's never been injured great on well done well done miss uh, okay let's continue on with our list we have had two from david so let's get another one from you callum been dying to talk about this man he won the bill i think Think twice, but you won it for the first time in 2016, only to lose it, of course, to Mister John Cena. But who's your next pick?
1: My next pick is the uh, famous uh, God's favorite Bulgarian brute champion uh, Rusev, and uh, now currently known as Miro. Uh, he actually won the belt three times. Uh, he won. Oh, his I was wrong. Apologies. Last reign was in 2018, I think, shortly before he left the company. He won the championship on. Raw backstage pass against Sheamus and then beat uh, Kalisto Extreme Rules uh, 2016 to win the US belt. I loved loved, 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 loved uh, Rusev, Miro whatever you call him now, because it was perfect. It brought the US Championship back into the highlight because like this big angry Bulgarian just who's Russian. I love wrestling. Like just was who- was whooping us, and then there was a big flag of Putin. I love when wrestling's weird. It's perfect. <laughs> and then he it, it came out in a tank for his main entrance because he was the US champion. What he did in that tank, I'm not going to say, because I'm pretty sure we can all picture what he did in the tank. And No, he didn't drive it. So, but yes, his run <laughs> as US champion was great. Just everything about him. Like, Machka, just all. The the accolade, uh, that I love the Camel Clutch, you know, massive iron sheet mark. But that, nasty, just perfect run. Chef Kisses, third round's a bit hit or miss because he beat Nakamura and it made me upset. But other than that, perfect.
3: Mm, I mean, he didn't drive the tank, but he got a hell of a ride in it.
0: That's true. I, <laughs> I was going to say, uh, I was just ashamed he never fired the tank's gun, but um suppose he fired one cannon in there. <laughs> I didn't know any of this,
2: by the way. This is a uh, this make, is this is this is this a shoot? Is this legit? <laughs> yeah. <that's laughs>
3: I remember thinking it was like a thing they just put in that mix of that Lana Lassis story, but I think he came out as he was possibly saying, "No, that happened."
0: Brilliant, brilliant.
3: I just think I just think it's
0: disappointing that he actually won his first US title on a network exclusive, ending Sheamus's 182 day reign, which was a lengthy reign in itself. Like, and Rusev was still undefeated at this point. I think this was his first. Singles title match, he ends up winning it, but you couldn't, but it wasn't on live TV. You had to go on the network to physically see him do it. And I don't know what the point of that was. Like, well, surely if you're going to make people hate him, put it in front of the biggest audience possible and saves them having to physically search, right? Wait a minute, did he actually win this? And then you think, oh, Bob's your teapot.
3: See, like, yeah, I think there's a quite clear reason why. I think that this is pretty soon into the run of the network. Mainly in the US. I don't think it even was out in the UK yet. So basically, they're trying all these new ideas. Like you can only find this content here on the network. So basically, basically saying like we could give this match on the three hours we've got overall that we're trying to fill, or you could you know give us more money and buy our network to go watch it. So, but that was a perfect time for him to win it though, because I don't agree with doing a, a modern day, you know anti boo America boot yeah the foreign heels or something like that like character. Like decades after that character has died out, but if you're going to do it, at least give him the belt that has America on it, because then you look after that, he was then put on the authority team for Survivor Series, which shows how high they were on him, and then yeah, the big match was seen in the tank. I almost had him as my second choice, but because his second and third reigns were so lackluster, and that's why I didn't have him, because st- I loved the accolade. One of his best accolades uh, the move not actually but uh, is when he locked it in on Callisto, the way just a bit just a bit broke him oh I bent got him him in half you can see his organs <laughs> and but after that like he was basically fed to Roman because he's like ah Roman you got yourself suspended but don't worry you'll be back in the tail of the scene for a bit here play with the US belt for a little bit yeah
2: yeah that that um that accolade that he did on Kalisto, I, I remember that so vividly because I hated Kalisto. I didn't understand why he was a champion. He was just a bit rubbish. And uh, I... it was the it was the perfect end to, to him holding that belt. How, right, how do you have sex on a tank in, at WrestleMania?
0: Is... With great skill and determination. <laughs> anything is possible. Have you seen their Twitter feed lately? It was like... It's, um... filth. it's absolute filth oh it's it's so filthy it's unbelievable unbelievable i'm pretty sure there's room in the well for lack of a better word the cockpit (laughs) (laughs)
2: where where was was the tank on the stage i I, was i i don't know do you know what i don't need to know it's not the time for it i don't need to know thank you for the choice callum it was brilliant and now I'm going to have images of sweaty Bulgarian men for the rest of the evening. Um, let's we're, continue on. We're
3: not, he- we're not here to kink shame.
2: <laughs> exactly. You do not, you're, no. ab- you're absolutely right. Each to their own. <laughs> um, so we go now to, I've lost my numbering system. Uh, let's get another one from
3: Scott. Have we done? Yeah, yeah you haven't done yeah. the second one yet.
2: Yeah. Do the second one because it's a really good choice.
3: Yeah, this one ties into David's one as well. Uh, 'cause after I did the scene one, that was most always when I came in was like was very cricket our group chat to you know claim that one first because mm-hmm. I have such memories of his reigns and so after that like you made Benjamin before there are a lot of people who didn't do a lot as champion, so I thought I think look at people based on what they did in their reign and this guy had two reigns, and when you look at what he's done his reigns, I think he is an argument to you know be called one of the best US champions because we've had a lot of good some great US champions so far. But our final choice here is awesome. As I'm going with <laughs> The Miz, who won the US championship after multiple attempts at it from Kofi Kingston in an episode of Ron late 2009. And this is where the full transformation from Chick Magnet wearing those weird denim shorts, folk uh, Miz, to the trunks wearing slow-talking, you know, the cat of the really the awesome came in. This is where he changed his music to the music he still has today. And this is where he finally broke out. He did he cut a promo the week after he won it, you know, acknowledging when he was kicked out of the locker room, like, look at me now, I'm the champion. Yeah, everybody thought Morrison was gonna get the push before him. Then at Bragging Rights when he was US champion, Morrison was the final champion. He beats Morrison showing that, you know, they not they kept even playing into the whole the Sean Gennetti thing that like, I'm not the Gennetti you are. And you know, Morrison's the one that got fired, so and Miz may have WrestleMania. And then he goes on to win the tag titles with uh, the big shows when it was a unified tag title. So Miz is going around with three titles at this point. Two, the two tag titles hanging off him with the US belt around his waist. He then loses uh, the US belt to Bret Hart. You know, that's a ring that can get in the bin for a week. And then R-Truth wins it. And then uh, a couple weeks later, Miz wins it back. And as Seguin wins money in the bank, the only person to have a title while when they won Money in the Bank because the only other person was RVD but he won the IC belt after he won Money in the Bank it was only for a brief period and then he had the thing with Daniel Bryan so he lost US belt put Bryan over and helped set Bryan on his singles path while he had the Money in the Bank briefcase which he would then cash in successfully going to win at WrestleMania so much like I say with Cena but how his first couple of years was setting him up to be the next big star these two reigns set Miz up and showed how valuable he is and how valuable he remains to be to the company today. And then probably showed, probably explains why WWE had such faith in to put the belt on him and put him in the main event of WrestleMania.
2: Yep, um, spot on. I I remember watching wrestling at this time, what twenty ten, mm-hmm. when he he won the belt um, from Arthur. I remember thinking like. I was it his first? I can't remember which one of the reigns it was, but
0: whatever reign it was that led to the money in the bank and all that. Um, yeah, that was the second one. Second yeah, one, yeah. The sec- but, he defeated Truth, Morrison, and Zack Ryder in a fatal four way. Because obviously, uh, as Scott so eloquently described, he was just collecting
2: metal at the time, like he was just <laughs> hanging off him. Um, and I remember thinking, like, there's no way the Miz is going to be world champion. I was like, he's nowhere near good enough. And then obviously, over the course of him holding that belt for I think it was October to May, he held it, he got so much better as like as a wrestler, as a promo, just everything got so much better. And um, of course, people have said in later years that a lot of the Miz's shtick was copied from Chris Jericho's return shtick. But I don't have any problem with that. Every good wrestling gimmick in the world is ripped off of another good wrestling gimmick. And if you can do it well and if you can do it more memorably than the other person. Then, then why not? Um and Jericho,
3: Jericho as he admitted he ripped it off. He ripped yeah, it off from, a film from or The Rock. Like, no, he he ripped it off partly from Nick go and partly from the villain from No Country from Old for Old Men.
2: That's it. Uh, yeah, he said that in um, the Stone Cold podcast. Actually, you just mm-hmm. remember, you just remembered that. Um, and and yeah, um, he so he he's one of the few guys, and. In the WWE period, those last twenty years, he's one of the few guys who's genuinely used that belt to elevate himself to world title status. And and yeah, they 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 have wasted a lot of the Miz in the main event. Like he was fodder for Lashley most recently, and he was kind of just a placeholder for Cena Rock last time around to, to, to just be like a pawn for them. But nevertheless, I'm, I'm happy that he's won this belt. I'm happy that he's won all of the other many thousands of wrestling belts that he's won. I think I read something recently, right? Just, you know, while we're talking about the Miz and mid-card titles, um, I really, really, really want him to get one more IC title because I think if I'm correct in saying this, that if he has like a two-week reign just about with the Intercontinental title, not only does he get... The most reigns as champion. He'll
0: also break the most days record from Pedro Morales, I think it is. And that's like insane. He's on. Yeah, eight. he'll be tied for the most reigns with nine apiece with Chris Jericho. But if he holds it for, I think, I think you're right. I think it's two weeks more, he will eclipse Pedro Morales' as most days as intercontinental champion.
3: There's and not, no, a lo- you know, Jericho, Jericho will come in and claim, oh, I'm a 10-time shank, that reign in New Japan. It's not the same <laughs> belt, Jericho. <laughs> um, I. I, I I just think that, like, there's not a lot of
2: things in wrestling that I really want to happen for, like, the history of it, but I really want that to happen. I really want him to get another short reign. But, I mean, let's face it, they're never going to give Miz the world title again. He might as well get the, the IC belt. Mm. Um, yeah, like, right. Well, well uh, Callum, what did, what did you think of, of, of your man here as champion?
1: Fantastic. I feel like all I've said so far is fantastic, but this... <laughs> Like all the rains, I feel I've, we've mentioned so far have been great, but uh, and you can quote me on this. I fucking hated the Miz growing up. Ah, I hated yes, absolute <laughs> cock. But see, <laughs> getting older, I realized you know what? I actually quite like him. Maybe I'm a cock. Not anyway. <laughs> I thought his runs were a good. I don't want to keep saying great, but they were great. <laughs> so his runs as US champion flawless IC champion flawless like I associate the IC belt with the Miz a lot don't get me started on that new design I'll be here all day so (laughs) I'll I'll, I'll cut myself off one of my favorite reigns as US champion is the Miz 100%
2: yeah yeah um, agreed agreed with everything you just said when when I was a massive John Cena mark at this time and the Miz was going against him for the world title I just didn't understand how Cena didn't beat him. And then of course he did eventually, but it just like I hated him. Like I hated him as a person at the time. And then 10 years later, you look back and you're like, oh, that's exactly what I was supposed to do. It's not X Pac. You don't want him to get off your TV. You just want to hate him. So mm. uh yeah, brilliant, brilliant Ms. The man you love to hate. David.
0: Yeah, it's that I'm actually gonna confess I was a Ms. Mark. In 2010 of like, course you were as soon as he as soon as he changed the steam song at the beginning of 2010 to that to i came to play like i instantly became a fan you know he, he managed to get away from the you know the stupid shorts and the hat wearing the the bandanas etc and he actually started wearing proper ring gear he was carrying himself as a legitimate i mean a little little bit generic in some cases but his personality alone is what carried him and i still remember that epic monologue promo i think it went on for about maybe 5 10 minutes where he walked out from backstage towards the ring saying you all doubted me you all said go away miz you don't belong here uh but then he and he just goes on to say i adapted to this business i was you know i was berated backstage i've won the tag titles multiple times. And now look at me. I'm breaking out as a single star. I wear fancy suits. I don't just wear t-shirt and shorts anymore. I carry myself as a superstar. And that's what changed everything for me. It's This is a guy who walks, talks, acts like he's awesome. And when he does that, he is awesome. And I had a new, completely new level of admiration and respect for it. He almost revitalized the United States Championship during that time period.
3: Yeah. Not to get not to get bogged down in music like we were on the Christian show, but talking about how good that music city is. I mean, you know, the band that did it downstate—they've done some wrestling bangers for <laughs> the years they did that. Ziggler's here to show the world Cody's current theme, Matt Cardona's current theme songs by them. You know, they also did Alex Riley's theme, but no one's perfect. Uh, so, <laughs> so they just they just seem to get wrestling though. the guys who do it are clearly wrestling, so they clearly know what works. Why didn't WWE hire them? They got rid of CFOs. You no, know, rather than whatever genetic state they've got now.
2: I'm still mad at them for getting rid of Jim Johnson. But anyway, um, okay, guys, have a think, because I'm about to ask you what your least favourite reign is with this belt. It doesn't have to be, uh, you know, a, a, a person, you know, as US champion. It can be one specific reign you particularly hated. It can even be one of the guys we've already mentioned. But um, we'll get to that in a second, because I would like to throw out one more. I have and I haven't, an, I love for this man. This this beautiful fiery haired Irish maniac, and I don't understand why. I just think he's fantastic. I'm talking about Sheamus now. Sheamus's career in the WWE is kind of weird. Like he won the WWE Championship like a little bit too early and almost as if by mistake. But he then went on to defeat Daniel Bryan for the US Championship in about 2010. Or nine. Sometime 11. around. Oh, I was close. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the early period of wrestling in the tens when I've forgotten everything that's happened. But like I feel like him winning this belt, the US belt, finally managed to like solidify him as like a major dude. Because I feel like when he won the WWE title, a lot of people were just like, Well, you're not a WWE champion. You just he didn't he didn't have the aura of a WWE champion at the time. But much like what they did with Daniel Bryan. This helped Seamus like elevate himself up the card. He had a really good run against Daniel Bryan whilst champion, including, of course, their forgotten WrestleMania match, which was the match before their two second match at WrestleMania, I think, when they were on the pre show of 27. Mm -hmm. yes thank god I'm terrible with Wrestlemania numbers it's like there's Wrestlemania 18 then there's everything that's happened since Um, (laughs) but of course uh, that match ended in the draw and they had uh, a nice little feud for the the belt for a little while of course before Sheamus ended up dropping it to Kofi Kingston in a tables match which of course is great because that's where he won his first WWE WWE Championship, but I'm not so keen on that reign as much as I'm keen on Sheamus's recent reign with the US Championship. It was just earlier this year. He won it from Riddle at WrestleMania before losing it to the current champion Damian Priest. And um, the reason I like this is it, it just became the I'll batter you championship for we will like she- Sheamus, you know, still not really having room for him at the top of the card in WWE. He Settled for being US champion and absolutely ran with it. Um, and I thought that him in that run was brilliant. I loved how he's managed to successfully change his look so many times. Most recently, he's kind of like the backstreet brawler, I guess you could call him in his current look. Um, he's got the mask thing as well, which adds to it as well. And uh, he's just a man that i just gen- genuinely quite scared of. Uh, I think he would kill you. Uh, so yeah, really liked his run with the belt from April until August this year. Uh, fresh in everyone's memory, Callum, did you did you enjoy this one?
1: Uh, I did. Uh, I've not uh, watched uh, many current rows because Christ, I'm only human. But <laughs> I. Um, <laughs> I like Sheamus's run. I've always been a fan of Sheamus. I mean, his short for a, a time period was the run in Razor's Edge, and that's instantly over in my book. But yes, <laughs> uh, with the United States Javid Chip, it suits him. Uh, his earlier stuff, I can't really remember, but from what I've seen of his newer stuff, I'm really digging it. I feel like he was quite a perfect US champion, to be honest, just with his old aesthetic and his look and, like, fell out. So, yeah, smashing. Uh, David, uh, a fun sort of similarity with The Miz, because The Miz has this
2: with the WWE Championship. Sheamus won the US title for the first time on March 14th, 2011, before winning it again more than 10 years later in April 2021. And it just shows you that he's got great longevity as a wrestler.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. But let's not forget his second reign in 2014, which lasted 182 days. And that's how Dean Ambrose Lost the championship. It was at a twenty-man battle royal as well. So it's it's some very significant time periods between him, you know, being U.S. champion. Obviously, the most recent being the the seven-year gap. But having him as U.S. champion now in this particular reign, I do get vibes of you know John Cena's open challenge reign, and also as we mentioned with Ross uh, saying AJ Styles' twenty nineteen reign. You know, by that point, he's the established veteran who's having reasonable workhorse style matches for rising stars. You know, he's faced Umberto Carrillo a couple of times. He's faced, uh, I think Cedric Alexander, Ali, you know, these sorts of guys who are just still on the verge of trying to, you know, get some screen time, but it's a way to sort of get them, get them in there somehow. Uh, you know, he had a couple of good matches with drew as well, but I think this was before he won the, before the championship, but this is a time where Seamus, you know, he's established as the veteran type person. And I think he had a couple of rematches with riddle, As well at one point, but the the match with Damian Priest at SummerSlam, I think, was one of the better matches on the card. Like those two, you know, had some very good chemistry together. They're both practically in their forties as well. Like if in case you didn't realize, Uh, so it just goes to show that age isn't a factor when it uh, comes to Sheamus either. You know, he may be in his forties, but he can still go the same day or the same year he won the WWE Championship.
2: Yeah, I've said this before on the show. There's a WWE 24 that's like 50 minutes long. It's the run up to um, Sheamus versus Drew McIntyre for the WWE title when it was like a street fight or something like that quite recently before WrestleMania, um, and it, it just completely changed my opinion on him. I saw the amount of work he puts into every match. But um, Scott, are you are you a fan of Sheamus?
3: Yeah, I, I feel real bad for Sheamus for kind of the heat he gets. At least he used to get kind of unfairly. I think it was because he kind of went the reverse for it. what you think most wrestlers probably should go in that he won the world title first and a mid-card belt later, mm-hmm. whereas most wrestlers go the other way. Uh, I liked his first win because well, like how he had that weird US version of his gear with the bl- the red, uh, blue and white. I also love the way he lost his first US title in that table's match with Kofi where he was kind of leaning over a table and Kofi died to the day with a leg drop through the table. It was just chef's kiss as we've already said. <laughs> and then that third, that last reign seemed like it was almost a reward for Sheamus because the first half of the year it came like Sheamus just decided, you know what, I'm going to start having brilliant matches again. And he was having just banger after banger with Keith Lee, sh- sh- uh, I almost said Sheamus, yeah, he's fighting himself, uh, Drew, <laughs> Bobby, like he was fighting everybody and then being Red on that match. And like, I mean, I could have done without the whole, oh, I'm a champion, but I'm an open challenge, but I don't want to defend the belt. So that's fine for a couple of weeks, but I kept that going far too long. And, you know, give him someone other than Ricochet and Humberto Cuiro, because that's fine once or twice. Not every week you've got a lot of people on Raw. So, you yeah. know, a, bit of a few nitpicks, but at least they helped put over and Priest. And then he had that, they had that triple threat the other week on Raw, which was amazing.
2: Yeah, uh, Scott, you've touched on it, so I had to say it publicly. Bend those contenders matches where mm-hmm. you fight the champion for a chance to fight the champion. Uh, it fills me with so much hatred, especially when they lose. It's like, well, why well, well, you just ruined your division there? Anyway, speaking of hatred, um, we'll now go around everyone and get because uh, we, we've been we've been too nice, we've been too nice. So let's let's get some hatred out of the way before we go. Uh, we'll go around you all and get a pick of a champion who you, you just didn't like. Uh, we'll start with David. I've actually got one in mind that I think you'll
0: <laughs> I think I know where you're going with this, but actually it's not that one. Okay, okay. Who's your pick for a least favorite US champion or run? Uh, I'm actually going to go... Uh, you see, I'm sort of torn between two, but I think because he sort of bounced back the second time around, I think I'm going to allow it. So, But the one I hated the most was Dolph Ziggler's second reign, which he won at Clash of Champions 2017. Uh, he won at a triple threat with Baron Corbin and Bobby Roode, which was almost completely out of the blue because I think everybody was expecting Roode to win that match. Uh, but then, the following SmackDown, he basically just leaves it in the ring and goes away. <clears throat> He's just like saying like, no, you don't deserve me as US champion. Right. I'm leaving this there. I'm off See ya. And then, that's when they um, had the tournament to decide the winner and that's when Bobby Roode did win it. So, that whole reign was just utterly pointless.
2: Nothing fills me with more rage than this title reign. Yeah. But so this is right. Like, right. I've got this friend of mine, right? When, when like what uh, Facebook Messenger groups, right? And he loves to like make a big daft statement and then leave the group because he thinks people will be like, oh my God, why has he done that? And the last time he did it, nobody said a word. And two weeks later, he went, Can you add me back to the group chat, please? That's exactly what Dolph Ziggler did. He tried to make this massive statement and then leave, and nobody cared. (laughs) It was too long in the tooth at that point. I'm happy that he's managed to salvage his career somewhat most recently with Bobby Roode, but God, at this time, I was just like, Dolph, let it go. Go be a commentator or something. Um, Great first choice. Um, Callum, do you want to go next? What's your least favorite US
1: champion? Absolutely. I have, uh, I think, the best pick out of the worst, the best of the worst, rather, (laughs) and the not pride of Mexico, Alberto Del Rio. Oh,
3: you bastard.
1: (laughs) 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 So, Scott, now, I, when he first came in, I was, that man, could do no wrong in my eyes, he was, I thought, he's got the look, he's money, cross-arm breakers all the way, WWE champion, beating Punk I didn't agree with, but anyway, I'm sidetracking Like, he came back to the reaction of a wet, like, just of, like, nothing, just, like, (laughs) and, yeah, honestly, like, for the whole, like, Mexi-America thing, he had the chance to, like, have half of the belt be the American flag and the other half the Mexican flag. He didn't do it, so uh, I'm disappointed. Less I say about what he's currently doing, the better, because how is he not in jail? I don't know. (laughs)
2: Uh, great choice it was just uh, especially the fact that he ended the cena run and it was just so annoying um scott i know that by the sounds of it Callum just stole your picks. so i'll throw out mine uh, i really thought that david would pick this the may 24th 2010 they did it oh. Pure- oh no well i'll explain i'll see if this is the one you were thinking of that's um, not the one i was thinking oh, sorry of. may 17th 2010 um the Miz has his 224-day reign with the U.S. title.
3: It's <laughs> still my second choice. I hate, I hate you all.
2: <laughs> oh Well, oh, dear. I'll, I'll finish. I'll take a while so that, you know, Scott's got another chance to pick a third choice. But, of course, the 120th reign of the U.S. title. It was the man's fifth reign, but he was about 200 years old at the time. I'm talking about <laughs> Bret Hart, beating The Miz in the no DQ, no count-out match. Um, it, yeah, you were in Toronto. It was a nice little yee-haw for the crowd. But Brett vacates the title seven days later to become Raw General Manager. And I think Nexus started at the same time. Yep. I was so, so mad at this. Because like it's not like the belt immediately goes back to The Miz. It went to R-Truth for a bit. Uh, before the Miz won it back, but just wait, is spit in the Miz's face. The man that's there every night is put up with all the shit that you've given him for five years or so at this point, and he gets beaten by a very old Bret Hart, who is. You, don't get me wrong, he was a good US champion at the end of his uh, WCW run when he had the the uh, matches with DDP and stuff like that, but he wasn't champion in 2010. Uh, in 2010, if I look at this quickly, Bret Hart would have been 67, 77, 87, 97. 40, no, very
3: old. 54, <laughs> 50, 54, well, He been... would have been, 40. he was, he was pushing 40 in 97 when he got uh, screwed. He would have been 53.
2: Thank you. You can tell which one of us. Works with numbers. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, uh, that Bret Hart's, I get. You know, it was a bit of a bit of a confusing one, but it was for the purposes of a feel good moment. You know, beat a guy that everybody hated, and there was a bit of story behind to it, especially because it was a no DQ no count out match. So that I can sort of forgive it. You know, and the fact that it went to the truth and Miz afterwards again, that wasn't too bad. It's just the Ziggler one was just completely and utterly out of left field and completely pointless. I agree. Now, hopefully, we have given
2: Scott enough time and we've stopped stealing his choices. Scott, is there anyone else apart from all the ones that we've already stolen from you that you thought you didn't really like?
3: Yeah, I've got one. But before we go into this one, you uh, should never forget that in, in WCW, in WCW, uh, Michael Buffer once announced Brett as reigning United States heavyweight champion Brett Hitman Clark at one point. <laughs> Of course. Anyway, Really earning that millions of dollars per show there, Michael. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, since you've made reference to someone that David went like, I might as well just take it. Jinder Mahal in 2018, because it happened in a Fatal 4 that was maybe a triple threat, but Rusev was added to it uh, because he was so popular. And yet, they didn't even pull the trigger with it. He even had Rusev get pinned by Jinder (laughs) uh, to win the title. Jinder then, two weeks later, goes to Raw as part of the Superstar Shake-Up those of an open challenge. Loses Jeff Hardy, who the next night gets treated to SmackDown and takes the belt back. And then they have a rematch at uh, Greatest Royal Rumble where they took the phrase whisper in the wind a bit too literally because Jeff goes for the move, misses gender by a country mile, but somehow the wind knocks gender over. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I forgot about um, the, the Greatest Royal Rumble match. Absolutely true. Um, uh... I, I, this was the mania where I called every match apart from one and um, so i was happy that gender won to keep up my streak of matches but um you're right this was peak rusev day at this point and also it's, it's just classic wwe of like oh there's a guy that the fans like that we don't well i'll show you what we'll do to them <laughs> like mm-hmm. like what yeah they they those dumb marks <laughs> yeah exactly like, they've done so many times in the past so uh, yeah another great choice all great choices, gentlemen. I'm happy with all of your fantastic picks that we did earlier. And of course, in true ESSR fashion, we've gotten some hate at the end as well. So that pretty much wraps up our best US champion shows. Uh, thank you so much to all of you for all of your three choices, both good and bad. You've got a pretty sweet month coming up on the feature shows at the start of October. Um, if you like your hatred then we're going to be talking about the best heel champions i can't wait to do that one it's the only other show i'm on for like the next two months i was like i've got no time in my schedule to do any more of these shows but i'll come on and talk about the guys who i hated and um, we're going to be doing a profile on bullet club and next week we're going to be talking about the mistakes of wwe in terms of their releases uh david quickfire who's the worst wwe release in the past 12 months
0: Ooh, that's hard to say because there's, there's just been that many. Um, <laughs> biggest mistake: Bray Wyatt. Uh, Scott?
3: Uh, why did you do this to me, uh, <laughs> Alistair Black?
1: And Callum. I was going to say Tommy, uh, Malachi, uh, Alistair Black.
3: Now you uh, know how it feels. The <laughs> <laughs> guy coming in here stealing my picks.
1: <laughs> oh, I've got already! It's only my first show. <laughs> I. I love it, I love it. <laughs> uh, and I'll, I'll throw out, I don't,
2: was it even this year? I can't remember, but Braun Strowman, how was he ever yeah, allowed this to year. walk out the door? Anyway, so more on those next week. Thank you once again to Callum, to David, to Scott, and join us one week from today for our Mistakes of WWE
1: show. Goodbye. There now follows an enthusiastic advertisement for Quiz Showdown. Hello guys, welcome to Quiz Showdown, I'm Daniel Campbell and in this show you're going to see the members of the Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet team go through a very strange quiz. We don't know what the heck's going on with it but you are gonna have to watch to find out. Go check out on the YouTube channel now. That was an enthusiastic advert for Quiz Showdown.